Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you take my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Wouldn't be a great event because I hate running. Uh, but is anybody in the room fast? Is anybody in the room like on, on their feet fast? Oh, you pointed at him, and so he, he's for real fast? Raise your hand so everybody can see. All right. Now, in, 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 in the real world, how many people in the room believe that this physically fit man who weighs less than half of what I weigh could outrun me in a foot race. How many of y'all believe he'll win a foot race if we get out there on the street and run? Don't be shy. I ain't going to be mad. Some of y'all, I'm not betting against my pastor. Common sense would say that he's outrunning me in a foot race. The dude that pointed to the fast guy is probably outrunning me in a foot race, and he didn't even claim to be fast. Uh, but let's, let's just change the dynamic a little bit of it. Um, stand up, Elder Jim. How much weigh? All right, have a seat. Now, I'm going to ask you to begin with. You know you can come to church and get picked on. I'm going to ask you to begin with. Now, you can outrun me in a foot race. We know this, right? That's not bragging. That's just common sense. I know more about the Bible than you do, and you can outrun me in a foot race. It's common sense. I'm the preacher, you're an athlete. Where are we going with this? It's common sense. But if we were going to run, see, I'm old, so it's not going to be a long race. Let's say a 40-yard dash. You still got me in the 40, right? You better because mine's in the eight-second range. If you, you, know, we, you don't need to be dribbling anything. You're in the fours? Okay, cool. So typically you'd outrun me in a 40-yard dash. Now, if you had to put this 229-pound man on your back, and run 40 yards with him on your back, fighting you the whole time, trying to make you fall over and stumble so his pastor could win, who do you think is going to win that 40-yard dash? <laughs> How many of y'all know young people ain't always brilliant? Hey. How many of y'all believe that this overly competitive 230-pound man, if he wanted to wrestle that 125-pound young man to the ground while he was already on his back, could choke him out while he had him mounted from behind? With him choking you out, gouging your eyeballs, just squeezing your neck, try, kicking your legs the whole time. You still you think you got it? If you do, you do. Everybody else in the room... I like the confidence. I like the confidence. We're going to do it after church, though. <laughs> With you trying as hard as you can to stop him from running, you're already mounted on his back. You got him in a rear necky choke. How many steps is he getting? As he stumbled forward to fall? Um, okay, so here's the moral of this. He's like, it ain't happening like that. Let's do, immediately after church, we're going to do this. Y'all stick around and watch. I'm going to do it in these boots, okay? And, 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 and I'm going to run backwards, eating a ham sandwich. Because I've been punched in the face by this man before with boxing gloves on. When, when, he, when he starts hitting you, it's over. 
moral of the story is this. You can't teach teenagers anything, but for everybody else, let's learn this together. Is it easy to run if you've got something big and hard on you trying to prevent you from running? It is not. It is not. Obviously, he'd outrun me without even trying. But when you put the weight of the world on his back, when you put a gorilla on his back fighting him, trying to stop him, it slows us. Oh, well, you're out. JJ's in. We're going to put JJ on his back. You missed the whole story, JJ. Turn, turn around and look at brother with the hood up. Can he, do you think? Now, it's okay. Be honest. I know you love me, but you don't have to boost me up right now. I'm old and, and, and you know, got injuries. Do you think he can outrun me in a 40-yard dash? Absolutely. If you think because you love your pastor and you want your pastor to win, if before we start, you climb on his back and you start punching him in his face, neck, head, chest, and trying to choke him out and trip him, do you think he can get 40 yards faster than me? Would you want his back? No chance. Because he said he's still betting on himself if Elder Jimmy was on his back. He's kind of hesitating if you get on his back. The moral of the story, see, laughter does the heart good like a medicine. Some of y'all are like, when he going to preach? I'm preaching. You can't run effectively when you're weighed down. And if you haven't realized it yet, if you ever try to move forward for Christ, the world is a gorilla on your back. People jump on you. Everything tries to slow you down. Now, here's the good news. I don't have to scuff my boots by running because he bowed out when, when I flipped it to J.J. And he's like, no, it's a new level now. Because uh, you can take that weight right there. I'm not going to ask him what his weight is because that's personal. But you got 100 pounds to what he said to that over there. And now you got real slow down. And once he put that rear naked choke on you, it's... <laughs> Well, well, Elder Jimmy, just because you missed it, when I asked Elder Jimmy, I said, how, how, many, how many steps do you think he'd even get? He said, one, maybe two. Would you even let him get that far? <laughs> you, go, you just lean back. And <laughs> I came to church to have fun. The rest of y'all mad at nothing. But still and yet, he could dominate me easily in a foot race. We, we got that. And, and all of us can... Can, can move forward if nothing is holding us back. But here's the bad news. We got so much holding us back. Do you know every time you try to move forward in Christ, the world is going to jump on you, the devil is going to jump on you, things, people, traffic, whatever, family. How many of y'all know family can, can just be a knife in the neck? I just stabbed myself in my scar. That was bad. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to try to hinder your ability to move forward. So there are some things as we try to move forward in this 21 days of getting our minds right, getting the year off to a good start, that we have got to get rid of. So every year, God gives me a thing for our church to focus on. And I shared it with you last week. I hesitated this because I'm disgusted by preachers who stand up and preach every week that your breakthrough is coming. God is about to do something in your life. You might be the janitor now, but God going to raise you up to be the CEO. Oh, 
I didn't make that up. I heard it on the radio. And it's always your breakthrough is coming. Your miracle is on its way. God sees every tear. And, and there's truth in all of that. But life happens too. It can't. I, I, boom. 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 We got we to gotta take those subs out. Boom. Okay. We'll work on that. I'll preach on this side. <laughs> that, that boom got messed my mind up. What am I saying? Y'all don't know. Y'all still betting on him over me to run. So every year, I, God gives me a theme for us to focus on throughout the year and preach messages around and try to bring some clarity to and try to keep it at the forefront of our mind. And I really didn't want to go with this. And I, and I pray with God to make sure. Because the theme is more. But I thought, we're not about to turn into one of those churches selling hype every week. It's like selling lottery tickets. Like, give, give God a, And they say it on TV and the radio all the time. Send in your best seed now. Send, if, if you sow a dollar, God going to give you a hundred. If you sow ten dollars, God going to give you a And all that is just lottery ticket, hope, hype selling. And that is not where we're going with this direction that we will have more. So I, I, I put uh, a clarity point on it that it would be more slash less. And we talked about it last week, being the first week of the year. Uh, our major th- theme of focus this year is going to be more of God, less of me. More of the right stuff, less of the wrong stuff. More of doing better and less of doing worse. Now, I, I'm, I'm guessing, Deacon-elect Harris, that these are some of the basketball players you work with. Um, wouldn't it be great as a coach if they would do more of the right stuff on the court and less of the wrong stuff. Do, do you want to see some ball movement? Do, do, do you want to see them out there just clowning around, hot dogging, one man showing it? See, so we need more ball movement, less hot dogging. We need more good shot selection, less bad shots. Am I right? We need more hands up on defense than looking to see if your girlfriend's in the crowd on defense. Am yeah, I right or wrong? See, this more or less concept will work for you if you work it. As a parent, you need to do more good parenting and less bad parenting. As a spouse, you need to do more good spousing and less bad spousing. As a child, see how I make words up? As a child, you need to be doing more good child stuff than bad child stuff. I've been telling you for years, if you just do a little bit more good and a little less bad, you'll find yourself moving in the right direction. And so that, that, that's kind of where we're heading in 2023, but because I think it's time for us who are truly saved to get on with it, we, we got to get rid of some stuff. That's, that's why I think get rid of it so you can move forward. This fast is about allowing us to move forward. Consecration is about allowing us to move forward. One of the Greek imagery concepts for sanctification is someone washing their hands so that their hands would be clean to eat. God talks about wanting to clean us up so we can be tools fit for the master's use. We had one of the greatest visual illustrations one year at a youth event. We were going to have ice cream. Kids like ice cream. Kids at heart like ice cream. I love ice cream. 
And so, you know, that was, everybody was waiting on the ice cream. They had all the toppings out, and it was like, oh, man, we're going to blow this ice cream up. So when it came time, uh, they had a game before the ice cream. And part of the game was to build the deepest hole, to dig the deepest hole you could and build the biggest uh, mud cake you could build in a limited amount of time. And uh, the person's house that we had it at, they passed out spoons, and all you could use to dig, uh, well, you, you, you got some water and a spoon. So all you had was this spoon. So they're digging the hole with the spoon and the water, and the spoon's nasty, and they're trying to build the mud pie. And then when it was over, you know, that moved on. And when it came time for the ice cream, they brought out the ice cream, and guess what spoons they brought out? The dirty ones, the muddy ones. The na- na- now, my man, not only is he going to beat me in a foot race, he said he's going to blow on his spoon, wipe it off, and get to work. <laughs> See, I respect that. I, I, I like that. Uh, but, I, hey, I'm going to buy you some ice cream, and I'm going to get you that spoon, too, and I want to see that action go down just like that. Um, here's the reality. Most people realize they'd rather have a clean spoon than a dirty spoon, yeah? And God wants us to get cleaned up so we can be fit for his use. Part of that is getting some stuff off of us so that we are able to move forward. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says this. If then, stop right there. If then, if anyone tells you if then you were raised with Christ, we'll pause on the punctuation because I've been teaching that for decades. Always pause on the punctuation. That comma's cause for pause. Stop and think what he's saying. Read the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down and digest it. If then you were raised with Christ. What might that signify, Bible people? You might not. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But if then you were raised with Christ. Anybody in this room been raised with Christ? Anybody in this room saved? Anybody in this room been born again? If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now, this is not a long verse of Scripture. It's a reasonably well-known verse of Scripture. It seems completely doable. People who are truly saved ought to seek the things uh, of heaven where Christ is. But how many of y'all know in reality the world comes at us so much that we usually have more of the world on our mind than God? We see more of the natural than the supernatural. We, we, we get caught up sitting there thinking about um, the world. Especially, uh, man, it invaded our staff meeting this morning. Everybody comes in um, saying hello. One person starts talking about football. Uh, ran the whole meeting late. And, which is awesome because it's a proof text that it's easier to... I, I promise you this. The average woman, mother, or grandmother has more children's names committed to memory than Bible verses. Yeah? A lot of them have more birth dates committed to memory than Bible verses. The average man has more stats, uh, sports statistics committed to memory than they have Bible verses committed to memory. Why? Because the world's just always hitting us, hitting us, hitting us. But the Scripture says if you're really saved, seek those things 
which are above. So you got to make a decision right now because you can't get saved because mom and daddy are saved. You can't get saved because you grew up in America. You're not saved because you grew up in America. You're not saved just because you come to church. You've probably heard it said before, uh, sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a drive through at McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. There's more to it than that. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have that, it is time for us to seek those things which are above. And the fast that we're entering into starting today, we're going to start the fast uh, unless you're hiding food right now. And this is a no eating sanctuary. These chairs are 21 years old. Most of them still look new because we don't eat. We don't walk on God's chairs. We don't spill food on God's chairs. Uh, but uh, unless you're hiding a sandwich in your purse and going to nibble on it while I'm preaching, uh, you're already out of food if you're fasting food because the, the fast starts today at 12 o'clock, and that's not going to give you time to get to lunch. But this fast, I'm believing God, praying, hoping for myself and for others that it will help us begin to move forward. Say move forward. So we got to think about Christ. We got to we got to seek those things that are more spiritual and less natural. So every year in the month of January, we spend 21 days coming up here every night praying, seven to eight. No singing, no preaching, just sitting and praying. You can lay down. You can come to the altar. You can walk around, uh, quiet in the house of the Lord. And it is a fantastic time. And every year we see miracles. Every year we see breakthroughs. I want you to come as much as you can. I want you to come. God said he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How diligent are you going to be to come and grab hold of God? Uh, the Bible tells a story about a man who was wrestling with God, and God said, let me go. And he said, I won't let you go till you bless me. Y'all remember that? He said, I won't let you go till you bless me. There, there is, now obviously, if God wants to be let go, God will just be let go. You know, uh, it, it, it's, it's just like if you try to hold J.J. down right now in that chair, he might laugh and say, ah, my sister thinks she's strong. But when he gets ready for you to loose him, he's going to just walk away from you, yeah? Yeah. When, so, but it, it, it's not that he held God down. God was teaching a principle that says hold on for what you really want Hold on to God for. So we're going to be coming out every night, 21 nights in a row, as many times as we can, as a way of seeking to honor God. And I want you to get involved in it. As we prepare to start this 21 days today, I want us to consider what God says to us in these scriptures that we've read because we can't move forward with the weight of the world stuck on us. We can't move forward if we're stuck in the past. We can't move forward carrying added weight. And the reality is this. I wish I had my weight, weight-o-mometer. I wish I had my weight-checking uh, device. I'd just hang it on your neck. I'd hang it on Elder Jimmy's neck and find out what, what. Now, he already told us he weighed 229 pounds. Um, but that's not the kind of weight I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about besides his own natural body weight. What other weight is slowing him down? in the course of his life. Uh, preoccupation with the Miami Dolphins, maybe. Uh, preoccupation with the, uh, 
what, what's that little team? What's that baseball team? Chicago Cubs, probably. I mean, there's, there's these things that just get on our plate, and before we know it, we think, man, I'm, I'm, I meant to have gotten further in Christ. Every Christian in this room ought to be able to say wholeheartedly, I intended to do better with 2022 as a Christian than I did. Five people said amen. Y'all going to make me. Look, I got, I got one page of notes heavily spaced out. I can still preach this for five hours. Uh, amen means I agree with you. Amen means I co-sign on that. Amen means that's good what you just said right there. I like that. I wish you'd say more of that. And it also means please don't preach for nine hours because the rest of us have a life. And somebody should have said, Amen. all right, let's get this thing rolling. In verse 31 of Ephesians 4, the Bible is not a book of suggestions. The Bible is an instruction book meant to be followed word for word in its literal text. And in verse 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness, comma. So we pause on that. Now, when God, now he's talking to his children here. Some passages of Scripture are to the unbeliever. Some passages of Scripture are to certain nationalities exclusively that do not uh, apply to every nationality. Most Scripture is to God's children. This is one of the Scriptures that is to God's children. Now, if you've been around for more than a month, you ought to already know what I'm going to ask right now especially those that come on Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, what, 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 what am I going to say? What's my next word I'm going to say? Why would God tell his children, his saved, sanctified, fire-baptized, Jesus-loving, Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting, devil-chasing, non-whoremongering, tithe-paying, soul-winning, Holy Ghost-spirit-filled, praying children, why would he tell that crowd, get rid of all bitterness? Oh, we got it. We got it. So, hey, I got it, and I'm preaching. I had it this morning in church. I'm sitting there. At my, here, here's, how, here's how Sunday morning goes every week. I'm sitting in my desk. I'm trying to figure out. I've been studying all week long. I'm trying to figure out what to cut out of this and what to send to the note people. And they're like, Pastor, could you send us some notes over earlier? I'm like, I'm trying to shave these down. I amassed it all week long, and now I let God say throw all that. If you've ever taught a Bible study, you know 90% of what you prepared and learned and, and, and gathered together, you, you never even teach that out. Ain't that right, Elder Keon? You kids, y'all come, come to uh, youth on Wednesday night? Let me tell you what y'all get. Uh, stand up so everybody see you, Elder. This is our elder. Uh, everybody give God praise for Elder Keon and everything he does. He, he, is, he, he serves in an advisory capacity to me, to our church. Uh, he, he, he wears many hats here. One of the things he does is he is our youth pastor. So on Wednesday night, you come. If you're a teenager or somewhere near that age and you just, you know, you, you want to get the pizza or the Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich or whatever we're serving free that week. You get fed physically. Then Elder Keon downloads on you what God has been giving to him all week long. You get a fantastic uh, Bible message by somebody, hear me good. This makes us different. You wonder, we're different in a lot of ways. You want to know what's really different about abundant life? 
we have a youth pastor and a youth program that is more committed to biblical truth than to gathering a bunch of teenagers in a room than any other church on the planet. So you're going to get a high-quality biblical message. But as I was saying it, Elder was like, all the rest of that stuff, uh, am I right or wrong? They're not going to get 100% of what you learned that whole week. They're not going to get 50. They might get 10, maybe, on a good week. But we, 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 we've, we've got to get to the place where we realize, it, even as elders, even as pastors, if we have bitterness and we're the ones who have been studying this all week long, um, then all, everybody has it or God wouldn't be telling people to get rid of it. So back to the story. Here, on Sunday morning, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm, I'm trimming down the notes, trying to send my PowerPoint notes over to the sound booth so they can throw some stuff up on the screen. And God is saying, yeah, I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to say that. That's you. This is me. So I'm trying to decide what's me, what's God, and bring, bring that stuff out. And then the elders and deacons walk in at around 10 o'clock, and we, we catch up, and then we pray together. So we first thing, come in. Elder Jimmy comes in today talking about them Jags. Now, see, if I was a different type of cat, I could say, he disrupted my holiness. He pulled me out of my sacred place. He, he came in there and confused. He tried to pour old, uh, old excitement into new excitement. But anyway, he starts talking. I start chiming in with him, and my bitterness was on display for the Jacksonville Jag. Let me tell all you Jacksonville Jag fans, when you win because a rookie coach with the best running back in football with less than two minutes in the game who's already ahead, whose running back has already run for over 100 yards in the game, you got to run two minutes off the clock, you're winning. You have the ball. You have Derrick Henry. Should your quarterback be handing the ball off to the big man behind him, or should he, I don't know, drop back to throw a pass? Get the ball stripped out of his hand. Have the opposing rival scoop and score and win the game in the waning seconds of the game. So I, I'm bombarded last night this morning with all these people that know I'm not a Jags fan. Piling on. We tore them up. We beat, we won. I'm like, Ugh. So I'm thinking, I'm preaching about bitterness tomorrow, and this Jag bitterness is just... Cheer for who you want to, but get rid of all bitterness. Oh, if we had the time right now and the honesty, I'd just go around the room. i start with Gigi and work all, all the way back around to Elder Keon and, and just say, what are your areas of bitterness? I'd I'm curious, man. I, being curious will help you share your faith. My curiosity helps me share my faith as much as anything because I really want to know what people believe. And so if I was to meet Deacon Dixon, wave your hand there, everybody, Dick. If I was to meet Deacon Dixon for the first time in the street, and I, 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 was, I would typically say something like this, I'm just a curious person. You're well-dressed. You're obviously in shape. Uh, you seem like a, an intelligent man. What, what do you think it takes to, for somebody to get to heaven? I, I just like to know what other people think. And my curiosity eggs me on to share my faith. And... I want you, I, I would love to have it because I'm curious. I'd, I'd love to know, what are you bitter about? 
Oh, and if we had the time and the honesty in this room, and we don't have either, we could find out what everybody is most bitter about. But everybody in this room, even the ones of you shaking your head right now that think you have no bitterness, uh, I promise you this, don't they have some? And if you think you don't, schedule an hour of counseling session with me this week. You'll be bitter before you leave, I promise you that. Some of y'all bitter about coming to church. Some of y'all are bitter about long-winded pastors. Some of y'all are bitter about paying taxes. Some of y'all are bitter because you know even though your Jags just locked up the division, they ain't going to make no noise in the playoffs. Some of y'all are bitter because your team choked. I mean, just, some of y'all are bitter because I just said what I said. Have we got to the point yet where we understand bitterness is an issue? Woo, get rid of. It doesn't just say get rid of bitterness. It says get rid of all bitterness. I, so I, I want to say, if you don't get nothing out of this, get this. If you're a Christian, you have no claim and no right to be bitter about anything. Not your past, not who did what, not where you came from, not what you went through. No bitterness. How much bitterness does God command his children to get rid of? Well, what? Uh, here, here's what people say to me. But you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they did. My bitterness is justified. Uh, well, how about Ephesians 4.31? Does that mean anything to you? Even in your justified bitterness, even when they wronged you, even when you were oppressed unjustly, what does the... Get rid of how much bitterness? Is that easy? You're like, no, it's not. But here's the good news. If you're truly saved, you have the Lord to lean on. And all things are possible with God. Not just get rid of all bitterness, but also rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So we got six things on this list that I want us to look at briefly that we got to get rid of. First thing is bitterness. And we've, we've talked a little bit about bitterness, but here's what I want you to see in several of these uh, things that we're supposed to get rid of. Bitterness causes hostility and negative energy. See, because if I asked everyone in this room privately, are you bitter? The majority of people would say no. But if I asked, do you ever find yourself feeling any kind of hostility or negative energy? Every honest person in the room would say yes or sometimes. Now, we've got different degrees. Some people are good in this area. We all have different strengths, different weaknesses. Maybe bitterness is not the, 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 the JJ on your back keeping you from being, outrun, being able to outrun uh, the preacher. But whether you, it's a big problem or a little problem, God said get rid of how much of it? All of it. And it is manifest through hostility, feelings of uneasiness, and negative energy. Second thing on the list is rage. Say rage. Rage, same thing. Hostility and negative energy. I'm, I'm, I'm on Elder Jimmy today, so I'll just stay on him. He said he's getting better with his road what? What did God say all Christians should do with their rage? Get rid of all of it. Is that easy? No, but sometimes you have to put up um, 
common sense, wise protections, boundaries in your life. Most of y'all know I don't go to the Jacksonville Fair. I love the Greater Jacksonville Agricultural Fair. I dated in high school a girl whose father was the chairman of the Greater ja bringing the Greater Jacksonville Agricultural Fair. I don't even know if you remember uh, Tracy Rogner. Uh, her, her daddy ran that whole thing. And we got free passes. We got the band, all the rides for free. I, I love the f great food. You know a fat boy like me loves to smell sausage dogs. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All them onions, right? Peppers. You smell that from the time they're taking your money. Uh, funnel cake. Come on now. I love the fair. I quit going to the fair. Why? Because when I first got saved on July 15, 1981, I was the typical redneck, fight everybody, west sider that there is. Now, if you didn't grow up in my generation, uh, you, you probably didn't fight as much as the, the kids in the 70s uh, fought. Because that was all we had to do. We didn't have anything to hold in our hand. We didn't have anything to put in our ears. I mean, it's, it's a battle now. I mean... People think that they're really, really cool. They got the little white. What's the white one that hangs down to here called? AirPods. And everybody's like, ooh, she got herself some AirPods. She's doing all right. I got these little Bobo, uh, these little gummies from Walmart. But then, you know, that, that ain't enough. You got kids walking around with, with beats on it, full headphones on their thing, $700. And, I mean, we didn't have all that. What we had was two fists in your face. So it was, it was a really violent side. If you grew up on the west side of Jacksonville uh, back in that day, you know it was a very violent uh, time in, 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 in life. Uh, Lisa, was, her, her dad was a football coach forever at Ed White. Um, he, he knew there were roughneck kids there, and he was slapping them around. That was back when coaches grab you, throw you against the locker, and just, you know, put, put you in check. But anyway, I get saved, so I'm like, okay. I got I, I, I to live better. And I went to the fair, and some little guy, uh, the Army says I'm 5'10", I'm really about 5'9 and a half, but some guy about 5'6", and they all dressed the same. And me and all my friends used to dress this way. Every Saturday, we'd go up to the Orange Park Mall, we'd all be dressed the same because we were all going looking for a fight, and we wanted to know we were going looking for a fight. If you ever see a bunch of guys under 6 feet tall, because guys over 6 feet tall can't fight, Here's a proof text for you. How, ma how many fights you ever been in, JJ? Yeah, you know why he's only been in two fights? Ain't no idiot trying to jump on a grown man like that. You fought two brain dead people. You, you fought two people that didn't have, have, have sense to get out of traffic. It's, it's these five foot six guys that you got to worry about. Be because they're the ones that are all, it's, it's like that little chihuahua. Can't hurt nobody, but just love to bark. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they're going to jump. But see, what they learn, they get better at fighting over the time. So I went to the fair, first year being saved. And, but, oh, the dress. Here's the dress code. Look out for these guys. Under six foot tall, we would all wear, remember when long johns, people wear long john tops? Cuff that sleeve up twice, pull the whole sleeve up to about here. So you got long john, you got flannel shirt here, long john there, and you're under six foot tall. That's a dude to stay away from. He's looking for trouble. He, he put that on as a, I'm a real redneck, and I'm coming up here to, to, to do some damage. 
And so some little five-foot-six guy dressed like that at the fair bumped into me. I'm newly saved, sanctified. I'm like, excuse me. He proceeded to tell me all about myself, my ancestry, how stupid I must be, and did I want him to X, Y, and Z me. So, fortunately, it didn't go bad. That, so, brushed it off, left. Next year, right back to the fair. Second year of salvation, I'm at the fair. Different guy. Same scenario. Bumps into me, spills my drink on me. And then proceeds to cuss me out and ask me, do I want him to X, Y, and Z me? And I decided at that point, you know what? I don't want to live in this violent rage mode that I was raised in. I was raised in a very violent home where there was bloody faces every week and for a period of time, and I didn't want to be in that scene. So guess what? I decided in 1983, I don't go to the Greater Jacksonville Agricultural Fair. Why? Too many rednecks there trying to pick a fight, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not trying to be that guy. I, that rage is still there. How many of y'all know, even though you're saved for real, that these things can still rise up in you? And some of them are more apt to rise up in different people. I think it's safe to say, uh, I, I, I know Elder Jimmy, I know Jennifer, I think it's safe to say that he struggles with more road rage when driving than you do. What do you think? You sure of it? <laughs> no doubt. Uh, she don't care. She's just, she just a Christian woman trying to get on her way. Uh, but so these different things hit different people different ways, but we've all got issues, amen? So I don't know how much rage you're given to, but how much of it uh, should you get rid of? All of it. And it manifests itself in hostility. I'm sure, now he's better at it now, that's what he says, I'm going to believe him. Uh, he's better at it now, which has got to be great for Sister Nancy. I mean, I, I'm guessing you would rather he be a calm driver than riding on their bumper. <laughs> yeah, you're holding that handle when he gets in his, in his mind. Uh, so we've all got different levels of this stuff. I don't know what your level is, but rage causes hostility and negative energy. And as a Christian, you've got to get rid of it. The next thing on the list is anger. Say anger. Anger manifests itself in hostility and negative energy as well and some people you ever met that person that could just go off like a fire see and that was going to be my next line we, we we say those people have a short what short temper short fuse certain ones you just don't want to try that one and i i promise you this it would take um when 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 elder jimmy was a teenager at five foot nine this is my speculation. I'm right. I know I'm right. Uh, but having known lots of big men and lots of little men, um, it would be much harder for you to get J.J. to get angry, mad, and want to thump you in your head and really do you physical harm than it would have taken him. <laughs> At, at, at football practice, some guy grabbed you by the mask and said, when, when it's you, you're just going to say, all right, guy, or you going, it's on and popping right there. The, 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 J.J. probably had less of that because he knows he really hurt somebody, and he, you don't want to hurt somebody. 
And so would you agree you probably take more to get you to really just smash somebody's face than a little guy like him? Yeah. So different people struggle with it on different levels. I don't know where you're at, but we all have something. Say something. The next words on the list are harsh words. Say harsh words. Woo, harsh words. Now we've gotten past rednecks. We've gotten past rolled up sleeves in the fair. We've gotten past big guys and little guys. We got, we've gotten past uh, fighting and all that stuff, but we've come to harsh words. Now, they don't always manifest in hostility, although they do a lot. They don't always manifest in negative energy, although they do a lot. But here's what harsh words do. They wound people. They wound people. And that's why I've tried to tell people, if you got a bone to pick with me, please come at me like a brother in Christ. Because energy gets back what energy gives out. The Bible says you reap what you sow. If you come hard at somebody, especially if they are trying their best not to be anger, rage-filled lunatics, and you come harsh to them, it's not going to go well for you. And some of y'all know, you don't like being spoke to any kind of way. I mean, it, it's so bad, it's so prevalent, we just make stuff up. We, we say stuff that doesn't even make any sense. Keep my name out your mouth. Keep my name out your mouth. How in the world, did, how is my name in your mouth? Better ask Chris Rock. I bet he better keep Jada Pinkett's name out of, out of his mouth. <laughs> Just on a side note, if you are five inches taller and 75 pounds heavier than another grown man and you slap him in his face, you're a coward. It's my theory. You, you do you, I'll do me. Um. But if, if, if you're five inches shorter than me and you weigh 70 pounds, I had a guy call me one time. He was mad. He quit the church. He called me. He said, I'm coming over to your house. And, and we're going to have it out in the street. I said, oh, bet that. Uh, I'm, I'm about to call all my friends and ask them to bring. This dude, this dude was way too small to be making that move. I said, we'll put this on video. I'll have it up on, on, on every, every social media platform in the world. But harsh words, not only do they wound people, they can get you in trouble. Now, I don't know how prone you are. There are some people that, my sister is the biggest peacemaker type of person I've ever met. She's the least conflict-oriented person I've ever met. Um, she is not a harsh word person. And she deflects harsh words well. I don't know where you're at on this level. But if you are prone to use words that wound how much of that should you get rid of? Well, what if it's just your personality? Well, what if it's how you were raised? What if it's that's how mom and daddy talk to you? Yeah. See, here's the thing that Christians need to understand. When we come into Christ, we give up all our rights, all our dreams. We choose his way. Not, and, and it's so funny to hear Christians quote parts of Scripture. Not my will, but thy will be done. Okay, that's great. That's what Jesus said. Difference is he meant it. All right? And when it comes to harsh words being used out of the mouth of believers, 
God said, get rid of all that. Next on the list, slander. Say slander. I'll give you a legal help, then I'll give you a theological help. Legal slander is a violation of the law, whether it's true or not. If you know something about someone and you go out uh, in the course of spreading that information for the purpose of harming them, that's still slander, whether it's true or not. Slander does not have to be false, according to the law. It's wrong legally. But it's also wrong spiritually. Well, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Uh, well, do you want someone saying everything that's true about you? I don't care. I stand behind. No, you don't. Nobody wants the worst five minutes of their life to be played out in front of the whole world. That's, that's the problem with this cancel culture. You digging through people, they went, they went back 11 years into John Gruden's emails found to, to finally find something he said that they could get him fired over. Do you really think that, that, I, that a forensic investigator couldn't go 11 years into your text messages, emails, social media thread, and phone call, contact list, and find something that you might have said at some point that wasn't your shining moment? Oh, it's there. So it's not about whether it's true. It's about whether or not Christians should engage in it. I don't need you to tell me anything wrong about any other Christian in the world. The Apostle Paul said, I don't want to know anything about you except Christ and him crucified. I don't need to know your personal theories on everything, all your likes and dislikes. Let's keep it holy. Slander is a trap. And how much slander does God want you to get rid of? All of it. These are not fit for Christian behavior. And then if you felt like, well, I don't deal with bitterness. I got no rage. I'm not angry. I don't use harsh words, and I don't slander folk. Okay, well, here is the net that God throws over. Everybody is called a catch-all, number six, all types of evil behavior. See, you might not be found in one of these first five things, but everybody does something wrong, yes or no. See, but here's what the devil will give you things to think that try to justify your behavior. Well, I ain't hurting nobody but myself. That's not true. Pain has a trickle-down effect. When, when you're wounded, what, 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 what do the experts say that hurt people do? Hurt people what? Yeah. People who are hurting end up hurting other people. And so this whole concept of I'm not hurting anyone but myself, if you're hurting yourself, that's going to manifest in everyone who is connected to you throughout the world. And through the body of Christ, that's millions of people. So whatever evil behavior you have, whether it's closeted evil behavior, whether it's open, whether you... I've had people tell me, I don't care what the Bible says, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do me me. Mm, okay. Well, you say, I, I'm going to keep it 100. Uh, Chris Rock, before he was getting slapped by Will Smith, used to be a great stand-up comedian. I saw him one time in a stand-up bit. He said, all, all, these, all these ignorant people out there talking about keeping it, keeping it real, keeping it real, keeping it real. He said, yeah, you're keeping it real stupid. And we got a generation of people that don't even care as long as they're keeping it real. Uh, keeping it real stupid uh, is hurting you 
and it's hurting other people. I got to do me, me. Listen, believer, that is not an option for you if you want to please God. More of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. We shouldn't be so focused on being an individual. That's for lost folk. We shouldn't be so focused on doing me, me. I'm going to get me minds. That's for lost folk. We should be focused on giving glory to God and growing and becoming the person he created us to be. So there's these six things that God says to get rid of all of those. And then in the next verse, in verse 32, he said, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we've got three things. Say three. We get rid of six, and we take on three. Getting rid of those six is not easy. These three are not going to be easy either, but God said all things are possible with the Lord. So the first thing, as we get rid of those six things that we need to do, is be kind to each other. Now, sadly, uh, very few people in this room can dunk a basketball. You, would you agree with that? Most people in this room cannot dunk a basketball. You're either too old or you never had it to begin with with your three-inch vertical. Most, most people can't dunk a basketball. That, that's, that's, that's a small group of people uh, that, that can dunk a uh, basketball. Some people can, some people can't. I'm not asking you to do anything that's not physically possible. It is not physically possible for Uncle Ken to, uh, raise your hand, Uncle Ken. It's not physically possible for Deacon Ken Huff to dunk a basketball. Would you all agree with that? He's not about to go palm a basketball, dribble it from the half court, uh, just, just rock the baby and reverse dunk on it. It's, just, it's not physically possible. Now, it wouldn't have happened in his best day. He can't do that. I, I can do it on a seven-foot rim. I've done it on an eight-foot rim. I can and have done it off a chair, okay? But God's not asking us to do something that is so difficult to do, even though it is difficult. Because how many of y'all been around enough types of people to know? Some folk, it just don't make it easy to be nice to them. Some people make it tough. But God didn't say be kind to people who make it easy to be kind. He didn't say be kind to people who you really like. He said, be kind to each other. And that is a lot of people. I, if I had my kind-o-meter, I'd just put it on your neck and see, what, see where you're at as far as being kind. Do you think, now don't answer out loud. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be proud. But do you think if, they, if we were standing over your dead body at your funeral, that anybody would say about you they were kind? Because God said, be kind. And I want you to know, part of what we need, uh, well, let's just see. We're talking about more or less in 2023. Do we need more or less kindness? More. Be kind to each other. You've got to start somewhere. Start where you are. Start where you are being kind to people. Not only does it say be kind to each other, the next thing God said is tender-hearted. Now, tenderhearted is, uh, is easy for some people, but more difficult for others. Um, some of you knew my wife who passed away 16 years ago, and 
legitimately a kind person. Shockingly kind to me. I was raised in dysfunction. I was raised with my mama going uh, back and forth. Uh, well, I just asked her, did you ever have to go to the school because your son got in trouble? And it was me. It wasn't, it wasn't Mark. Did, did you ever have to go to talk to a cop or to a jail to get your son out of jail because your son was in trouble? So, I mean, this, this, this is just how I was raised up. Now, eventually she said, I, this is my last time coming to get your son. And, hey, if my mom tells you something, she does not mince words. She does not. And that last time I got arrested in, in uh, St. Augustine, that cop laughed at me. He said, boy, you must be a special kind of evil. Your mama said that she won't come get you, and you knew she wasn't going to come get you. Um, but some people are super tenderhearted, and some people aren't. I was not a tenderhearted person. I was talking about being tenderhearted and being hard-hearted, and uh, Seth called me out on it the other day. I don't even know if you even know what I'm, I'm thinking about. Seth's my youngest son. Um, they're looking around. Raise your hand, Seth. Seth's my youngest son. He called me out on it the other day. I was talking about being hard about something. He, he looked at me and he laughed. I said, what? He said, yeah, so says the man that cries at Hallmark commercials. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> he just tried to bust my bubble hard. I was trying to swell up. Sure, Dad. But he knows the 59-year-old me. Okay? He didn't know the 15-year-old me. He didn't know the 15-year-old me. My mom would tell you, if my sister was here, it, it, we'd have the trifecta. She's homesick. Pray for her. But we would sit around and do what people did in the 70s. There were three televisions. Came, came to be four channels in the local area. Um, but we would watch those movies, and it was always somebody dying, boy in the bubble, something for Joey, uh, all, all those tearjerker movies, right? And my mom and my sister would just be weird. <laughs> the boy in the bubble, he's dying, and he wants to get out and breathe fresh air and run in a field, and, you know, it don't work out well for him, and they're sobbing. And I would just be like, would y'all stop? That's John Travolta. He's Vinnie Barbarino on Welcome Back. He ain't dying. He's making millions of you. And I would just mock them heavy for crying. God saved me, and I can testify of this for sure. God softened my heart. And I hope that you will let God save you. And if you are saved, I hope he will let you uh, allow him to soften your heart. I, I went to my pastor first year being saved, and I told him, I said, I think I'm snapped. He said, well, maybe. What are you talking about specifically? I said, man, I just cry all the time. Somebody stands up and, and gives their testimony. Somebody stands up to sing a song. I read a poem, and I just start crying. And he laughed at me, and I'm like, this ain't laughing. I'm serious right now. I'm going through some stuff. And he said, Scott, you've just been so mean your whole life. God's just, taking, God's just doing what he said he'd do. He would take that stone heart that you have, and he would give you a heart of flesh, a heart that can be touched, a heart that can be moved. I don't know where you are as far as tenderhearted goes. Uh, some people come by it easy, some people don't. Some people just ready to cuss you out no matter what. Some people, you, you just know to you know, be easy. around. That's not who God wants us to be. God wants us to be kind people with a tender heart. I ain't trying to be no pushover. I ain't no punk. Uh, you might not be a Christian with that mindset. Well, I ain't going to let nobody step on me. Let me ask you this. 
Who are Christians supposed to emulate? Jesus. Did Jesus let people do him wrong? Did he stand up and fight back when he could have? No. He chose humility. Well, that ain't for me. Okay, well, good. There's Islam. There's Hinduism. There's paganism. There's atheism. There's witchcraft. There's voodoo, hoodoo, black magic, white magic. There's all types of religions out there for you, but the Christian religion is a religion of willfully allowing people to do whatever they're going to do while we remain kind and tenderhearted. One person said yes. I'm going to say it again until somebody says amen. The Christian religion is a religion designed for its followers to stay kind and tenderhearted in the face of mass adversity. That's what it is. That's, well, that ain't me. Well, here's, I, I, got a, I got a recommendation for you. Get saved. I am saved. I got another recommendation for you. Fall in love with God more than your pride. Because the Bible says only by pride comes conflict. My mother heard me say this my whole life because I was always getting in trouble. My mother was largely a single mother throughout my childhood. And she worked 12-hour shifts. She was a nursing supervisor. She had a big-time job. She couldn't be taken off every time a guidance counselor wanted, well, you know, Scott's in trouble again. Uh, No parent wants to hear that. But if you're hearing it all the time, it's, it's just no good and it it doesn't matter where you are in life something can tear your heart down I don't know where you're at on this level of being tender hearted but I can tell you this if you go through enough stuff if your kids put you through enough stuff if the world puts you through enough stuff if you put yourself through enough stuff how many of y'all know that tender heart can become hard and the same way a tender heart can become hard through adversity and the world beating on it, a hard heart can become tender by allowing God to have his way in your life. The third thing it says to do is to forgive one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, people stop in this forgiving each other. We know we're supposed to forgive each other, but put the whole verse on there for me. It says to forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The same way God forgave us is the way we're supposed to forgive other people. Now, that's so contrary to what we typically do. Most of us, well, I'll forgive them when they show that they're sincere. I'll forgive them when they apologize. I'll forgive them when hell freezes over and I'm growing tulips out my eyeball. Y'all know about that level of bitterness. That's a whole different message. God said to forgive people the same way He forgave you. He didn't wait on you to get perfect to forgive you. We never would have been forgiven. He didn't wait on us to deserve it before he forgave us. He said, freely have you been forgiven, so you ought to freely forgive each other. Whatever's been given to you, you ought to be willing to give to other people. God gave us forgiveness when we didn't deserve it. And this whole, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. That's not biblical forgiveness. That's bitterness. That's anger. That's hate. That's that's not forgiveness. Now, I will say this. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you got to go to lunch with them. Just just because you've truly forgiven somebody doesn't mean that, that they ever need to be in your home again. 
The Bible talks about two of the apostles who were two of the greatest men mentioned in the Bible. One of them was the Apostle Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament and, and, and shaped continents for Christ in, in the first century. Paul and Barnabas had a parting of the ways. The Bible says the contention was so sharp between them that they parted company forever. I don't believe Paul was sitting up at night in his tent thinking, oh, that Barnabas, no good, snake devil, lying people. No, he forgave him. And he went on about his business. He found a new partner to go into missionary business with. Barnabas decided, I don't want you anymore. I'm going to take John Mark. He's my cousin anyway. Paul decided, okay, there's plenty of people out there who want a missionary with me. And they, they, they didn't walk in unforgiveness, but they did walk separately. Some of y'all need to learn that lesson. If somebody's going to continue to try to be a thorn in your flesh, continue to try to uh, mistake your uh, meekness for weakness, continue to try to stomp on you, step on you, and ruin your life, you need to forgive them. But you can forgive somebody while backing away. All right? A different message for a different time. But God says we need to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Oh, if we had the time and the honesty, I'd love to divide the room up into everybody who is a truly kind person, always, go stand over there. Everybody who is a truly a forgiving person, you go stand. Uh, we, we could probably learn some stuff about each other, but here's the reality. We all need to do better. Say better. We all need to do better. Getting rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and any kind of evil behavior. doesn't matter what it is. God said if it's any evil at all, to get rid of it. And we all need to. No matter how easy or difficult it is for you personally, we need to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection. Comma. Pause. Let me tell you why I think God put a comma there. Because he knew he was talking to church folk. And he wanted church people to stop and think about that. Stop and think about one. Love each other with genuine affection. Now, if you're not loving someone with genuine affection, what, what, what might it be? Fake. Fake. Any of y'all ever been to church? Oh, you're here today. Good. So you know. Well, praise the Lord, Brother Joe. How, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Always above and ever beneath. I'm head not to tail. None of the diseases affecting other people shall come nigh unto me, because if God is for me, who can be against me? Anybody ready to punch that guy in the mouth yet? you just point at your husband? <laughs> That's fake. Anybody ever been around somebody that you, you were trying to be a normal person to, but their religiosity, their fakeness of what they just, they got too much church ill on them that you I, I can't even talk to that person. I, I can't even talk to them. I tried to talk to somebody about Kobe one day, and they, 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 they're trying to tell me, do, do I care as much about Jesus? I'm like, okay, well, I can't talk to you. Because you're crazy. Um, there's so much fake love in the world. So much of it. And we've got to rise above it. We can't, we can't just tolerate people. Well, I do my best to tolerate. That's not, that's not what God said. God didn't say tolerate each other with genuine affection. He said love each other. Well, they're not lovable. Hey, I know that. God knows that. The fact that you know that doesn't exempt you from obeying it. 
This is not a suggestion, it's a command. Love each other with genuine... Well, I don't know how to love with genuine affection. Well, figure it out. Get into the Bible and learn how to do it. Take delight in honoring each other. I didn't even think about... I wasn't even thinking about this verse, but it goes in well with what I saw when I asked Elder Keon to stand up. He's a grown man. He could have looked at me and said... I ain't jumping because you say jump. Boy, I ain't standing up. You say stand up. You ain't my, you ain't my boss. He, he does everything he does here for free. He ne has never drawn a check from this church. He's here every week, all week long. I was just telling Dina the other day, um, I don't know, and I had to double check it with him. I don't think in a decade that Elder Keon has ever missed a Wednesday night teaching time. We're talking about one of the most committed people. on. He could have looked at me and said, Man, I, much as I do around here, I ain't, I ain't standing up because... You said, stand up. But I asked him to, and he did it. But that's not the punchline. The punchline is this. I told everybody, because the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. I told everybody to put their hands together for Elder Keon and, and all that God is accomplishing through his ministry. And some people just said, I ain't clapping for him. He's a man just like I'm a man. I ain't, ain't nobody stooge. What do you think? I'm not supposed to lay down. No, I didn't say lay down and worship him. I just, I just asked you to clap for him. And some people were like, hmm. He ain't clapping for me. I ain't clapping for him. The Bible says take delight in honoring. You ought to be glad that you're in a church that has a faithful youth pastor that loves your teenagers. Because I can tell in the looks of some of the faces when the parents are like, that's good luck with that crowd. But the Bible tells us to take delight in honoring each other. It ought to be on your agenda. Who can I show genuine love to today? Who can I honor above myself today? Who can I help have an easier life today? Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That could have been the whole message right there because there's so much in there. And it's always between the punctuation. Make allowance for each other's faults. Guess what people have? Faults. Are you supposed to hold their faults over their head? Something's wrong. I, I wish I could trace it back to when it started in church. People narking on other church folk to the preacher. And I always do it in the, in the phoniest way. Good morning, Pastor Scott. I just thought I would share this with you. I'm shocked. I had no idea. I didn't know Brother So-and-so. I, I would see Brother So-and-so out parking cars. I didn't know Brother So-and-so was a smoker. Oh, you didn't know that? Okay. Somebody could. Pastor Scott, I just think we need to pray for Deacon So-and-so. I, saw, saw, I had this happen this past week. I ain't trying to make all the deacons look bad. This ain't all the deacons. Um. <laughs> but I had somebody call me on my phone. I'm minding my business at my house. Pastor Scott, I think we need to pray for Deacon so-and-so. I said, well, what happened? Well, on their social media, they said they, they were, uh, had, had found a really nice uh, uh, glass of beer, and they were enjoying it. I didn't know he was a drinker. I'm like, ooh, well, let me ask you this. Did you know you were a gossiper? Did you know you were one who sows discord among the brethren? 
Did you know you're not loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you know you're a vile, evil, contemptuous person who's slandering another human being right now and you're not perfect either? What, what, what did God say? Get, 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 get the stick out of your own eye before you try to go get the giant tree out of somebody. Get the giant tree out of your own eye before you try to go get the little speck out of somebody else's eye. And here's what it says. Then you can go do it. But who have you ever met that had no, no speck in their eye? We're still in our getting the speck out of our own eye stage. Call me up. Well, I didn't know, brother, so-and-so was a, listen. Make allowance. I'm not saying, it doesn't say make light of sin. We all need to do better. None of us should be drunk. None, none of us should be destroying our bodies with, with, with addictions. But make allowance for each other's faults. Do you know there, there are churches that would not have me as their senior pastor just because I'm too long-winded? The average message in America by a preacher is 25 minutes. The average message for me is about an hour and 15. A lot of churches would be like, can't have it, too long-winded. There are a lot of people that wouldn't allow Jimmy Rich to be an elder in the church because he confessed to road rage and wanted to kill people on the highway. Tone that down a little bit, even for abundant life. <laughs> Have me in some courtroom one day. Did he ever share with you that he desired to kill someone on a highway? Yes. I'm going to jail for nobody. Make allowance for each other's fault. Well, you'll know what they did to me. I'm not the one that wrote it. The one that wrote it knows what they did to you. God knows what they put you through. And he said make allowance for their faults. Not your disagreement. But I'm right and they're wrong. Oh, so they're at fault. Oh, well, make allowance for it. Some of y'all growling on the inside. And that's not enough. And means what? There's more coming. Not only that, but forgive everyone who offends you. Oh, my goodness. Do you know our grandparents didn't get offended at almost anything? Do you honestly think your great-grandmother ever just laid in bed all day long not doing her job because someone said they didn't like the dress she was wearing? Or you think she still got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, gathered up the eggs, milked the cows, and made breakfast for everybody? Absolutely. 100%. But what has happened to us in, in the last 20 years is we found out that if we can cry victim because somebody did something that offended us, that we can walk around in pity and not have any expectation on us. Listen, that may work for cancel culture. That may work for snowflakes. That may work for easily triggered people who need a therapy dog to ride on a plane with them. Side note. I'm not sitting in a seat next to someone carrying a dog, okay, unless they bought a ticket for that dog, and I'm still requesting to be moved. So we're so weak as a, as a nation. We're so offended. We're, we're so triggered. It's a, it's, they, they were aggressive. It, was, it used to be if someone was aggressive towards you, that was a bad thing. But because we couldn't prove it, we, we made up in our mind, well, it was a, more of a microaggression. It was more in their body language. 
if you're to the point where someone's body language and what you think they're thinking has offended you, you're all the way special. Forgive anyone who not just might have offended you, not whose body language says they don't like you, not who you think you know what they're thinking about. If they legit straight out 100% offended you, the Bible says forgive them. And this is anyone, saved, lost, good, bad, evil, forgive. Well, I just don't believe that's possible. God wouldn't tell you to do something that's impossible. Now, it might only be possible for you with God's help, but here's some good news. He's available. He's available. And when you start finding it hard to forgive people, you've got to learn how to lean on the Lord. And I'm not telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I heard. I've got a lot of people. Anybody got somebody that they had to forgive for the same thing that happened a decade ago, but you found yourself forgiving them and getting mad again? You had to forgive them all over again? Y'all ain't had a hard enough life. If your hand ain't up right now, you ain't had a hard enough life. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember this. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I want to tell you something. This is the call of God on our life. This is the call of God for what we need to do. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know what your plan for eternity is, but I plan on being in heaven. No sin can enter into heaven. All sin must be paid for. You either got to do what God says, or you end up dying and going to hell forever. And God said, if you can't forgive other people, he's not going to forgive you. That's a bad spot to be in. Come on, Victor. That's a bad spot to be in. So here, here's, here's what I want to ask you today. Are you ready to get rid of what's holding you back? So 2023 can actually be a good year for you. Stop blaming other people. If you want to see some change, you be the change you want to see. Get rid of your bitterness. Get rid of your rage, your anger, your harsh words, your slander, and all kinds of evil behavior. And start being kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. And I promise you this. You'll find a better quality of life. Because God rewards those who honor him. God blesses those who obey him. So you can try to come to church. You can try to be a good person. You can try to do better. But God said to obey is better than sacrifice. And there's been a lot said out of God's word today that we need to obey. I want you to come to church. I want you to do, do good. I want you to be, be the best person that you can be. But it starts with obeying God. Who is it? That is that monkey on your back that just, just, just makes you grind your teeth every time you think about them. Say out of your mouth that you forgive them. Then start asking God to let it be real. And Every time something rises up that you know is wrong, ask God to forgive you for that and do better. We need more of God. This world needs to see some true Christians. This is why people don't want to come to church. They think, they think we're all full of it. They think we're all fakes. They think we're all phony. There are people in this room that don't believe your praise is legitimate. There are people in this room that don't believe your love for Christ is legitimate because they're bitter and they're filled with anger. And they know it's not real in them, so they just expect that it's fake in you too. The world needs to see true Christians. 
And we need to start being all that God wants us to be. We're going on a journey for the next 21 nights. It starts tonight, and I want you to be here if you can. Jake asked me yesterday, he said, Dad, has the first night started yet? I said, no, son. He said, uh, he said it, it's always the same, huh? I said, about what? He said, lots of people come on the first night, and then it gets smaller and smaller. I said, that's typical, son, but it might not happen that way. It's going to happen however it happens. I don't know how many people come tonight. But I know some of us will be here. And why will we be here? So we can say, look at us. We're, we're, we're better than y'all because we came to pray? No. We'll be here saying, look at us. We need more of God than anybody. And we're ready to have more of God and less of us. I want God to get in on your finances so you won't have the strain of, 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 of poverty. I want God to get in on your health so you can feel better. I want God to get in on your relationships so you can enjoy your life. But we have to position ourselves under the spout where the glory comes out. we got to get blessable. And I believe over the next 21 days, through enough prayer, through enough fasting, through enough repentance, through enough consecration, that we can position ourselves to have more of God and less of the, more of the right stuff and less of the wrong stuff. That's my prayer for you. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for being so specific and telling us what you would have us to do. God, I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit and help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.